The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So a hurricane hit land. No, I don't mean Florence. I mean a severe trial, severe storm, tribulation hit the shore of the life of a church secretary. She had suffered a stroke not long after her husband went blind, and then soon after that, they had to rush him to the ER where the ER doctors told her that he wasn't going to make it. A couple of weeks later, the pastor sees the woman in church, and as she files out after worship, He holds her hand and he comforts her and he says to her, I'm praying for you. And that's when she startled him because she asked a question he wasn't expecting. She said, well, what exactly are you praying for? And he said, well, I'm praying that the Lord would help you and that the Lord would give you strength in this trying time in your life. And she said, I appreciate that, Pastor, but can you add one more thing to your prayer?" Ask the Lord to give me the wisdom and the determination not to waste all of this. Wow! That is a faith, I think, that that Jesus would praise. And, And I think also this. What a practical superpower to have to be able to look at the worst things that life has to throw at you and consider them some blessings that you don't want to waste a single one. I don't have to tell you what you already know, that life will have its troubles. And troubles will come to us like cups at a convenience store, small, medium, and large. And it could be anything from your train is late, or it got broken down, or you you left your cell phone or your keys at home, to having a crumbling marriage and stage four cancer. And so to paraphrase Shakespeare, to suffer or not to suffer, that is not the question. To suffer well. That is the question. And let me tell you, to be able to see Bain as blessing and God's good hand behind all of the hammer blows in your life, that is suffering well. Because you know what that means? That means that Satan, he can take his best shots at you, but you will not go down for the count. Open up your worship folders with me. And let Jesus' little brother, James, build in us this granite chin to be able to transform all of our worst things in life into triumphs in our hearts so that we can endure and overcome. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, says James, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Is he serious? Is he serious? I mean, James, that is. Consider it pure joy. All joy, literally, is what he says. You know, like not 98. 0.5% joy and, Amanda, is that 1.5%? Yeah, 1.5% stinky. No, no. 100% joy whenever you suffer trials of various kinds. That's very interesting to me because I think about the reaction that I had a week ago today. So after worship, our, our little tribe of six, we go to a local bakery a full 40 minutes before closing, and we order these desserts, and these desserts that are going to take about like less than five minutes for these kids to chow down, right? So we ask the lady behind the counter, could you please give us some plastic forks? We'd like to sit down and eat here. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, we're closing soon. Get away. Consider that pure joy, and that's just a minor irritation. What about having your house flooded in a hurricane? Consider that pure joy? Now, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing right about now. How in the world are we going to manage such a radical such an unreasonable, the world will look at this and say, that's absolutely nuts kind of a thing. How are we going to manage to extract even an ounce of joy out of even the most minor irritations, let alone the biggest struggles in our life? Well, the first thing that I want to tell you is this, is that when James calls forth this joy from us, he's not talking about living by what I call an emoji Christianity. You know what I mean by that? Whenever we suffer, you know, we're supposed to like feel happy somehow, or, or at least pretend to be, like paint a smile on our face, as if Jane, James was saying to us, you know, the next time you post on Facebook that your mom just died, or that, that you got cancer, or that you lost your job, make sure you attach one of those little happy face emojis at the very end of it. That is not what James is saying. 
James or, or no other New Testament writer, in fact, ever says, feel joyful whenever you suffer. What he says is, consider this a pure joy. In other words, think rightly about your trials. Take all of the things in your life that feel terrible, that, feel, that make you feel sad, or that make you feel angry, or that make you feel so frustrated. Take all of those things in your life and open up an Excel spreadsheet and there create a budget and line itemize every single one of those things and on the other end, don't put debit, don't put loss, put income, put gain. That's what James is saying. But, but okay, then, then how do we do that? How and why should we consider the very worst things that life has to throw us as gain and blessing and things to rejoice in and thank God for and trust the Lord in? Well, first of all, because of what James identifies our trials as Christians. Look at, look at verse 3 again here. Look at what, what he says one more time. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and then he puts an equal sign here, because you know that the testing of your faith. So what are trials in the hands of God? They're the testing of your faith. Or let me, let me say it this way. Let me put it to you this way. Apart from God, every pain, every suffering, every trial that you face is pointless, meaningless suffering. But in the hands of God, it is all a purposeful test. God is taking your faith, which is worth so much more than the finest, purest gold there is, that, by the way, perishes by fire. But your faith that in Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, God is taking that in His hands and he is dipping it in a crucible of fire to purify that faith. And then he's taking that faith, and, and he's proving its worth to you. He's maybe pounding on that hammer before you so that not he can see, but that you can see that the very faith in Jesus that he has produced in you through the gospel, it is good, and it is strong, and it cannot be crushed. A perfect example of this, you know what God is doing, were, was what um, happened with the rivets on the Titanic. The Titanic was over budget and already behind the deadline when they were making this big, huge ship. And remember, it was like touted as this unsinkable vessel. So to take some shortcuts, very costly shortcuts, by the way, the manufacturers of the, of the rivets that they would use to seal the seams on the boat, they didn't dip the metal in, in the smelting fire. They didn't smelt the metal. Smelting is when you take that metal and you dip it in that fire, and then all of the impurities of the metal just rise to the surface, and then you take this scoop and you go, and you scoop it all away. And what comes out is this, this metal that is pure and that is strong. They didn't do that process with these bolts, so what they produced were these rivets that looked good on the outside, but they had no real integrity. And so when that ship hit that iceberg, you know what happened? Yes, the heads of those rivets snapped. And then the seams of the ship opened up like a zipper, and 1,503 people lost their lives. 
Do you see why we can consider it pure joy when God takes our faith and puts it in the fire and, and hammers us a little bit? Because he is, he's, not, he's not out to shipwreck our faith. He's out to make it unsinkable. He's, he takes that hammer and pounds it so that you and I can be certain that however big an iceberg that Satan or the world send our way, we're not going to go down. And it's even better because now God gets his, one of his best blessings that he gives us in life into the action in this whole process of building us and, and strengthening us. It's his gift of time. And God, God takes the hammer to us. He dips us in the fire over the span of time. So what, what is the result of that? What is the result when God gives you trials over a span of time? What does the last thing in verse 3 say? The last word of verse 3. What is, what is the result of that? What is produced? Perseverance. So what is perseverance? What is that? Perseverance is fortitude, right? It's stamina, strength. You know how one pastor put it? This is how one pastor put it. I like this. Perseverance is long obedience in the same direction. What he means by that is this, is that you keep trusting God's promise. You keep going forward. You keep falling forward. You keep holding on. No matter how big, how frustrating, how strong, how, how painful the struggle is, you keep looking to your Savior Jesus and holding on to Him for dear life. That is long obedience in the same direction. That is perseverance, and that is a good thing because what does Jesus say? He who stands firm to the end will be saved. God is making sure that you stand firm on that very day that He comes to scoop you up home or when He comes back to glory. And then it's even, it's even almost more majestic than that because what is God after through this goal? What is his goal in developing perseverance in your life? Look at what verse 4 says. What does verse 4 say? You guys want to say it out loud? Go ahead. Say it out loud. What does verse 4 say? Please read it for me out loud. All right. So what do you think God means by that? What is he after with this gift of perseverance through trials. This is the image that I want you to have in mind. An artist walks by a block of marble. And in his mind's eye, he sees the finished masterpiece. All he needs to do is take that chisel and hammer in his hand and chisel away at the excess. Even right now, God sees a complete and mature version of you in Christ, in his mind's eye. And he's taken that chisel and that hammer, and he's just completing the process through these trials. He is, through this perseverance, he is forming you into a vision of his one and only son. Because God's purpose for our life is that, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And little by little, through your pains, nothing else, through the things that hurt you the most, this is what God is producing in you. This is what God is making out of you. And let me tell you, you are a beautiful masterpiece because he is an incredible, awesome master. Do you believe that? That's what we need to have more than anything is that faith, right? I mean, I'm telling you, to believe that the hand who holds the hammer 
is a good hand, and a steady hand, and a trustworthy hand. That's the secret to living life, finding all of your trials with pure joy. But that's the problem sometimes, isn't it? This, this faith that is required. You know, James here in verse 4 actually, actually cites one of the most difficult commands in all of the Bible to keep. You see what it is? Let. Right? So, a daddy has to clean a wound out of a little girl. A mommy has to take a brush and comb out this knot because it hasn't been combed in days. And what do you think little girls do when mommy and daddy are trying to do that? They're squirming, and they're crying, and they're screaming, and they're throwing a tantrum, and they're saying, now you stop. Don't you do this. I don't care. I don't want this anymore. One of the hardest things in life to do when we are facing trials is to just sit still and let God have his way with us and let God hammer us a little bit with whatever he has to say. And so sometimes I know my prayer should be. I know what my prayer should be. I know what your prayer should be too in your trials. Lord, please, if it be your will, let this trial end soon. But more than anything, this is what I ask, that you take all the time you need to make sure that this thing in my life produces its maximum benefit and that you chisel away at me to make me look more and more like my Savior Jesus because that's what I want more than anything. So, Lord, I am yours. I sit still. Hammer away. But sometimes when the, when the thing gets tough, and I mean, you've been at this thing. That is so difficult. And that prayer just doesn't come out so easily anymore. And, and, and even Job has that moment where he no longer says, may the Lord give, may the Lord take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even he says, I wish I was dead, I wish I was never born. And we squirm and we scream and we sometimes say, Lord, I have had enough. I'm kind of sick and tired of what you consider blessing, by the way. I just hate this thing. Blessed are the poor and blessed are the miserable and blessed are the tormented and the persecuted. Why can't blessed be the happy? Why can't blessed be the person that has a baby who always takes good naps? Why not? Sometimes, in those really dark moments, deep down in the very recesses of your soul, you know right there where, where you feel things and you think things that you will never tell another soul as long as you live? You know those, that place right there? Sometimes, just in that place, when the trial and the heat is hard and strong and fiery and furious enough, we can even come in our trials and transform the Holy Trinity into the wretched tempter, the devil himself. Because that's what James implies in verse 13 when he says, when we are tempted, let no one say, God is tempting me. I want you to know something in the Greek language. The word for temptation and for trial, it's one and the same word. Pyrasmos is, is what it sounds like in Greek. But basically what James is, is saying here in context is this. When you are being tested by God, let no one say that God is tempting me to doubt or to fall. But sometimes that's just how it feels. And so it happens that sometimes, yeah, we kind of waste some of all of this good suffering in our life by not being patient with God in the whole process. 
But here's where God once again proves himself to be just so beautiful and so wonderful. <sighs> what a savior. Because just like that dad is patient and loving, and when the child is squirming and screaming and throwing a tantrum, the dad doesn't lose his cool, so neither does the Lord Jesus. And my goodness, if anybody knows how painful hammer blows are, it's the Lord Jesus. And in our pain, him and our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, in a stunning reversal, they obey the most difficult command that there is to obey. They let. They let us pound on their chest because they can take it. Because that is what we need in our pain. We need a strong chest to pound on and firm shoulders to weep and wail and cry, why, Lord, on. And then, held tightly by the Savior, he whispers in our ear in his word, and he says, I know how hard this is for you. I know. And I promise you, I am going to deliver you from this. I promise you that your night of weeping will give way to the bright dawn of joy. I promise you because, and I want you to hear me out. Everybody, hear me out, says the Lord Jesus. I really am James's big brother. I, your God, lived the full human experience with all of its joys, with all of its sorrows, with all of its struggles. I carried your sorrows on me. And even more than that, in my fierce love for you, I did not waste even one trial. I did not let even one little crumb of suffering go by the wayside. No, no, no. I let, I let the religious elite condemn me as a heretic. I let the civil government condemn me as a rebel and as an enemy of the state. I let my father take that crucible and pour out that molten hot fury over me and I let him pound me with all of his justice to be able to one day swoop you from this life of tribulation and trial and place on you a crown of gold in my kingdom where there is no tears and there is no mourning and there is no crying and there is no pain. So Jesus then is the answer. Always he's the answer, right? To like our sufferings, to how we deal with it in our life. Because when we look at the pain and at the suffering and the trial of Jesus, you know how we can see God? We see him no longer as a tempter but as a tester. And you might ask me, well, what's the difference, Pastor? What's the difference between a tempter and a tester? Note this difference. Write it down because this is huge. A tempter wants you to fail. A tester wants you to succeed. And so because of Jesus, you, this is how you can see God in your life, in your trials. You're, you're running that race. And your lungs and your legs are just burning with that lactic acid. And you are rounding that corner into the finish line. And your heavenly father is there on that, in those stands. And he is shouting full throat. And you can hear his voice above the din of the world and above all of the howling of all of the demons in hell. And there he is saying to you, go, don't stop. Giving you all of the energy that you need. Look to my son. I am with you. 
I will not let you go. I will see you all the way home. Because of Jesus, you can see your heavenly Father in your worst pains as a good and perfect Father who only knows. He doesn't know how to give you anything but a good and perfect gift. He only knows how to give you good and perfect gifts. And so this thing in your life that hurts so much, that too must be a good and perfect gift. Yes? Amen for that? All right, one last thought. We have superpowers now. <laughs> we have superpowers. We can pray like that secretary. Oh, yeah, we can. Lord, don't let me waste all of this good suffering. We can extract every ounce of triumph from every trial in our life. So let's do it. Let's do it like, like Bible scholar Matthew Henry when he had his wallet stolen. So this man has his wallet stolen, and he writes down in his journal four reasons why he should give God thanks for having his wallet stolen. Yeah. You, you want to hear, hear what they are? So reason number one, thank you, Lord, because this guy didn't rob me before. <laughs> Lord, thank you, because even though he took my wallet, he didn't take my life. Dear Lord, thank you, because, yeah, he took everything I had, but you know what? It really wasn't all that much. Thank you, Lord, because I was the one who was robbed. I didn't do the robbing. No. Live like that, unconquerable, to the world unreasonable. Have faith that Jesus is with you in every trial and that this too will end. And every day, wake up and say this prayer. Dear Jesus, Today is one day closer to the new heavens and the new earth that you have prepared for me by your pain, where there will be no more pain or mourning or crying or death. Keep me. Help me get through today. And then get, get up out of bed and let God. Let God.